Loudspeaker Studios. Welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast celebrating the unexpected benefits of living a zero-proof lifestyle. I'm Adrian Vandervalk, and not with me today is my typical co-host, Aaron Ranta. We are the co-founders of Rever Recovery Support and originators of the Hangover Liberation Method. And Erin is actually at her recovery job right now. So I am joined by the fabulous Keola Rains, who is one of our guest coaches in the Reva Intensive Program. And Keola's specialty, her area of expertise, is nutrition. Nutrition was not on my radar when I first got sober, but now, thanks to you, Keola, it has actually become one of my favorite tools. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, this is awesome. And I honestly had no idea myself until um, three years ago <laughs> that I would be using what I was studying in school from the health and wellness perspective. I never would have imagined that I was going to be taking that expertise and that practice, that information into the recovery space. And what I have learned in the last few years is absolutely amazing when it comes to using food to help really help steer and guide our recovery or anyone's recovery program. So I'm very excited to be able to change over some mindsets and let folks know we have so many tools that can help us stay on our recovery or sobriety journey right in our fridge, right in our pantry, right in our cupboard. So I'm excited to share with you all today. Thank you so much. And I know our students always really enjoy your sessions and learn so much from you. So we're really happy to be able to bring you to the wider podcast audience. Before I start peppering you with a bunch of questions, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, the story of Keola and what you're about, what you care about? Yes. I grew up in a little town in California called Apple Valley. It's a small little desert town. I have a pretty big family, three sisters and a brother, and I'm actually the kid of, um, my, my dad is 25 years sober, so a person in, in recovery, long-term recovery, or living 25 plus years in sobriety, which is absolutely amazing. Family is super important to me, and I didn't really come to understand until I was in my 30s how much my dad's struggle impacted my life and until I sat in front of a therapist and understood that if your one of your parents is gone off to rehab, that leaves the other parent as a single parent. Um, so once I started to understand that, then I started opening up my eyes to my own challenges and my relationship with alcohol and how alcohol was really impacting my life. It didn't happen right away. I'm sure any of you listening know that uh, most people don't realize they have an issue or an unhealthy relationship with the substance. And then they're like, okay, I'm just going to fix that. And it's over. It's usually a journey, but I'm very blessed to have tons of support from my family, from my siblings, my mom. It's absolutely amazing that I still have those relationships because my oh my, did I take my family for a roller coaster ride. But I definitely would say that one of the most important things or one of my greatest values is my family. I also value creativity and adventure. So I love that I've gotten to go on this ride where 
I didn't think I was going to be taking, you know, nutrition and fitness and bring it into the recovery space. But now I get to create something so important and what I think is so valuable for the recovery community. I definitely think I am in that I don't know, new age sobriety, I've been calling it new age recovery, where we talk about this stuff openly on podcasts. We can choose not to remain anonymous about our recovery journey. I am three years in, I say, to this leg of the journey because there were many, many never again, please God get me through this hangover moments. But this time it's it's really sticking. And I think that community aspect and that open aspect is is part of the reason. So being able to talk openly with my family, talk openly with my friends and be in spaces like this has been helpful. So that just, it brings it back to like that family component. I have found, I have a sober and recovery family virtually so many people that I've never met in person, but that I just know that I can talk to about this and, and feel the freedom that comes from recovery. So I'm, I'm a, definitely recovery warrior, recovery champion. If you go on my Instagram page, it's something that I'm not ashamed to talk about. I'm very proud to to be a person who's overcoming. And I think it's beautiful that we are in a place where we're decreasing shame, decreasing the stigma. And I'm super grateful to have my family back. So just a little bit about me. I have a one-year-old, 18-month-old son, an amazing partner, and motherhood is another one of those adventures. So my higher power is like, oh, you like adventure? Well, here you go. Here's here's, here's another one for you. <laughs> here's another one. So yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful and wild and crazy all at the same time. That's fantastic. Well, we are so grateful to have met you. And listeners, I believe that Keola and I first met on Clubhouse. Does that but, sound, does that seem right? That sounds right, which is actually such a trip because you, you're on Instagram and I think, and I know Aaron's on Instagram, but somehow in that Clubhouse, maybe Sobriety Club on a Clubhouse. And here we are. It's like a here year we are. later. <laughs> it's funny. I was on Clubhouse for like five seconds because I got, uh, surprisingly, got addicted to it, had trouble moderating with Clubhouse and had to get off. But I met like in that short period of time, some really rad people and you were one of them. I'm glad I spent that five seconds there. Every recovery journey, as you know, has some milestones. So do you mind telling us some of the moments that led you to realize you needed to make a change and get sober and eventually making that transition? Well, I had my first drink when I was 15. So at that high school party and that, you know, curiosity to let's just give this a try. I remember being probably eight or nine years old and coming to understand my dad's struggle with drug use and decided like, okay, well, it's probably fun. So, you know, if he's gone all weekend, then whatever he's doing must be fun. So I'm going to try it. So I had like decided that at a young age. So 15 had my first drink, drank through college, just thinking that's what people in college did. You, you go drink every weekend. And because I can be an overachiever, I figured I'll become a bartender because if I'm going to drink, I might as well, you know, be the life of the party making drinks. And, be a and professional. <laughs> yeah, I might as well be a professional. And I remember my first couple of shifts calling my dad and telling him like, wow, this is weird because I feel like I'm like 
illegal drug dealer. People come and they're looking for you and they want their drink and they need to get their fix. And it's, it was just such a weird feeling. But again, being in the insanity of it, I didn't realize this might not be a good idea for you, Keola, because now you have all the access. And so I would say the first moment when I accepted, when I verbalized that this is not working, I'm not drinking the way that normal people drink was right after I graduated. It's 2008. I woke up Saturday morning, probably around 10 a.m. and realized I had missed the entire morning of my clients. So from five, six, seven, eight a.m., missed every single session, text messages, um, you know, voice messages, missed calls, and I personal coaching your training these are my clients personal training so the oh. irony of like I'm studying kinesiology I'm studying health and wellness I I really I've always wanted to help but I had no idea at that time that I would be using alcohol in the way that I was that it would be impacting me because I thought you know alcoholism means bum. It means brown paper bag, living on a park bench, homeless. That's all. There's, you know, I'm in college. I'm getting a degree. So this isn't a problem. But that morning I realized this is not working. You're letting other people down because you drank so much that you blacked out and you missed, you know, all of your sessions. And it was like a, a shocking, scary moment. But that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the real struggle. Fast forward. 2015, hadn't quit yet. Even though I knew that it was no longer working, I had the rules set in place. I only drink with these people. I only drink on these days. I only drink this much, but those, you don't stick to those rules. They last a little bit and then you're on off to the races, as they'll say. 2015, DUI, drove my car off the side of a freeway. Thank God didn't hurt myself or anyone else. And that was my first okay, maybe I should quit for a while. Maybe I should just, you know, take a step back. And I lasted on my own about eight months. I, I again, still was too cocky and too proud for any type of meeting or program. I was like, that's for a certain kind of person. I'm not that bad. Mind you, I have, drinking has affected my job at this point. Drinking has affected my personality at this point. It has affected my relationships. I'm now being arrested, but in my mind, it's not that bad. This is just kind of what happens if you drink too much. So lasted eight months and then uh, went back into the, okay, well, I didn't drink that long. I'm probably okay. Is if I just do these things and get back to my rules, everything will be Okay. And that just was a couple more years of hell, honestly. Like while I was opening a fitness studio, I'm the lead coach and owner of a studio. And then I have this dark little secret that no one knows about. And I just got sick of that. I just, I was like, I know there's something better in life. I know that there is more to my life than this struggle and this up and down of anxiousness, depression, arguing, losing family relationships, pissing everybody off, pissing myself off. I know there has to be something better. And so in October, 2018, I said, okay, I'm going to quit on January 1st because I got to get through Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and then I'll quit. Looking back now, I'm like, oh, so stupid. Like, girl, what were you thinking? Now I understand. I wasn't thinking, but I still I walked into a room January 1st, 2019, and I 
literally have not looked back. The journey itself hasn't been perfect, but I still consider myself three years in recovery, two years completely alcohol-free, and it's the best decision I ever made. I I wish I could have gone to 2008 and said, Kiola, walk into a room, girl, like get some help. But I'm grateful because now I have a life that I just... It's not perfect. Okay. I don't want to say that, but it's a life that I, a feeling of peace and serenity that I never, ever felt before. And I have opportunities like this, you know, to speak about it, to share, to bring something that I'm so passionate about, which is health and wellness and bring it into the recovery space. Everyone needs this, but I feel like we need this the most. So yeah, that's the quick and quick version of the story. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing it with us and congratulations on your three years. It's incredible. It's a huge accomplishment. So this is a podcast about the unexpected benefits of being sober. What are some things that have surprised you now that you have three years of sobriety under your belt? So many things. I would say the first thing that I was surprised about was how quickly family would accept apologies and how quickly my family would get on board with supporting me, especially because I used to be a, uh, I would fight with words. I would overreact. I, everything was about me and what you did to me and I'm blaming you, even if I'm the one that did it. So I was blown away by how quickly my family was, you know, willing to jump on board and support to not drink around me. If I asked them to just asking, making sure that I'm okay and checking in with me, I thought that that was going to have to be like a begging and pleading process. And I know everyone's different. Everyone's family is different. So that might not be the case for everyone. But for me, that was very surprising how quickly that happened. The other part that is surprising was realizing that there are millions of people that have some have the exact same story. That's the part that's trippy where, you know, if you're in a space, whether it's a meeting or a workshop, whatever, and someone goes to share and you're like, no way, you're saying everything that happened to me. So you realize like there's so many people that are living through and overcoming and in recovery. So that was another one. I don't know if this is a benefit, but the shocker, <laughs> the other thing that was shocking for me was that sugar craving that came on because I was never a sweets person. I was very much like salt and vinegar chips and like savory things, salty. And so I was surprised to experience that, which I, I now have such a better understanding of why that was happening. Um, but it's one of those things where you realize like, oh, wow, the body is absolutely amazing how it responds, but also how it can heal. It's so crazy when you realize like I can get through these feelings where before I thought I had to drown the feelings. I had to numb, cover them up. Now I'm so much more aware of how powerful our mind actually is. And I, I was not in tune before studying the human body, studying kinesiology and health and wellness and anatomy and nutrition, you would think that I knew that, but alcohol is cunning and baffling, you know, as one of the programs say, and it, it just really wrecked my mind. So I'm so much more in tune with myself 
I just like myself so much more. I didn't think that that was going to be something that happened. I thought just I'm going to quit drinking and it's going to be hard and it's going to suck and it's just going to be like, oh, I can't ever drink again. Now it is the furthest thing that I don't think about it in that way. I actually think about it as really an amazing power, you know, in a lifestyle that I get to live versus something that I have to do. So I love recovery. It's just, <laughs> that's, that's how it is for me. Yeah. I I feel like it's a superpower too. And really it is what you were saying about hearing other people's stories and realizing how similar they are to yours or to mine. Cause I've had that experience too. And it's so humbling because it kind of makes you realize like you're not special, but yeah. in- and I mean that in a good way. It's like we we thought we were being so rebellious by drinking our faces off and such individuals, right, for all those years. And then it turns out the individuals are the ones who actually stop, right, who, who are yeah. like, I'm just going to like let my, to use the Annie Grace term, let myself have a naked mind and just mm. be in the world without totally numbing all my feelings all the time. And that is a pretty radical thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, the naked mind. That is, that's a great way to think about it because it is not easy. It's so vulnerable. You're like, okay, world. Okay, everybody, try me. Here I am. (laughs) Bring it on. And uh, it's very scary at first, but like I said, very freeing. And, you know, like the name of the podcast, extremely liberating, extremely liberating. So let's talk a little bit about your work and you have a long history of working with people to improve their wellness and their health in a variety of capacities. And now you're focusing on nutrition. So do you mind? I mean, I've gotten the benefit of being able to hear your coaching sessions in our program, but do you mind just kind of summarizing a little bit about what you talk about when you tell people how to use nutrition as a tool for recovery? For sure. So my coaching philosophy is educate, empower, and impact. So even when I have had the amazing opportunity to switch over from what I'll call general population to the recovery space, I still want people to have some of the knowledge that I have, you know, to the general everyday person's capacity, not, you know, you don't have to go into deep science, but have some of the knowledge that I have. And then I want you to feel confident I want you to feel confident in creating programs for yourself, knowing that there is no one size fits all nutrition program. We get to customize the way we use food for our individual needs. And then I want to make it memorable. I want to light you on fire. I want you to just really be ready to take off and go and confidently feel like you can have a nutrition program, a fitness program, a mindset program that's customized to you. When I started coaching, I had no idea how food was so much more important than, than fitness. And I know like while I'm a certified trainer and I don't want that to sound wrong, they're both important, but we have one hour of the day, maybe, maybe two hours if you're doing some kind of extreme fitness training. And then we have all the rest, maybe eight to 12 hours a day where the food is going to come into play. And so I switched over probably in the last six or seven years 
to really focusing on nutrition. The certification that I work with is called Precision Nutrition. And why I love that particular program is because it helped me to realize that I get to have freedom and I get to teach my clients freedom. I'm a nutritional agnostic. So if you are wanting to try something and I can research and make sure that it's healthy and sustainable long-term, then I'll hold your hand and let's let's get it going. There Again, no one size fits all. And I think that the most important thing that people who are working through nutrition and in recovery, that we understand that food can be the fuel to your recovery program. It's something that we probably neglected those late night drunken drive through sessions. The <laughs> We're not driving through for kale and yes. bone broth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, all of the greasy stuff. And then maybe, you know, the next morning you're trying to get something else to suit to, you know, coat the stomach. Well, now we're going to switch over, you know, our mindset and think of how we're going to use food to really give our body the information it needs to stay on track, to stay on our path to recovery. So I like, again, giving people the information, the base knowledge that you need to understand how food works. I want to make sure that you're confident in making the decision, finding whatever program is best for you. No one size fits all. And then I want to get you on fire. I want to make sure that you remember that you're in the driver's seat with this, that this program, along with your recovery program, whatever that may be, using nutrition and fitness as well, but nutrition as a bigger, as a big component, using that to really fuel your recovery program. As a nonprofit, everything we do at Loudspeaker could not be possible without the generous support of our listeners. Become part of the Loudspeaker family and pledge your support now at loudspeaker.org. I've heard you use the term good mood food as yeah. uh, a way to make some strategic choices about ways that you can snack that might actually make you feel better and help you get through some of the, yeah, I don't, you know, not all the days of early recovery are bad, but sometimes you can, they can be kind of a drag. And so what are some examples of good mood food that you've recommended? Oh yeah. Okay. So good mood food, essentially we're, we're looking for foods that are going to bring neurotransmitters into the body. So we do make these things naturally, but when you are using substances in wild and crazy ways, our gut gets affected, our brain gets affected. So sometimes these levels completely drop. So I am helping folks to understand how to bring in foods that have dopamine, that have serotonin, um, that have GABA in them. I also teach a little bit about supplementing if needed, but I would I more so encourage bringing the food first. And if the food isn't doing the job, then we can supplement. So on a basic day, you can think of things like your dark berries. So blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, even strawberries, all of the berries are basic, you know, really great option. Oats um, and whole grains are really great options to have in. Fermented foods are going to be really great to bring in. So like kimchi and pickled foods, um, chocolate, yes, mm. dark chocolate, especially caffeine is on that list. Uh, not overdoing it on caffeine, being mindful of the intake. Mayo Clinic says roughly around 300 milligrams of caffeine a day. So maybe depending on how large your cup is, one or two servings of caffeine. But if you can 
think about like a, a morning. If you had um, oatmeal with uh, a handful of berries and maybe some sliced almonds or some chopped almonds or chopped nuts, that would be an ideal mood booster for the morning. So you're getting in your omega-3s, you're getting in those whole grains, and you're also getting in the berries. So much research out there for us. One of the places I've gotten a lot of resources is the it's called the Academy of Mental Health and Addiction Nutrition. And she's got some great research that helps us understand how important amino acids are for the brain and the body. And so that's just a couple couple of, of foods you can add into your nutrition program to help boost your mood. No one ever says no to the chocolate and the caffeine. So <laughs> those are two that we know. Um, and yes, you can say, Keola said that this is going to boost my mood. And it is research proven. Now, y'all, you're listening. If you're listening to this, you may have been a person who was using things, overusing things. In, in a little excessively. In ex yeah, in excess. I'm not saying you need to eat a dark chocolate candy bar, a whole bar a day, but a little square you know, of dark chocolate and a, a cup of coffee, a handful of berries, those are some simple ways, simple things you can add into your nutrition program to bring the neurotransmitters in that we need to feel good and feel happy. What are some things that you are dreaming about these days that would not have been possible for you if you were still drinking? Working with my family, being able to support my sisters and all of their individual careers. So I have a sister that is in dance fitness. I have another sister that is a yoga and meditation coach and being able to come together and do programs as a unit. I've always wanted to do that. We've done a few projects together and that would have never happened a few years ago because I nobody wanted to deal with me with, with the way my attitude was being a mom, it's it's one of those things where I never thought that that was going to be. And now I have an 18 month old. So just being able to be a happy, joyful mom, I thought I didn't want to be a mom because that that would mean that I would have to give of myself to someone else. And why would I want to do that? Because it was, you know, the Keola show. Now I'm learning how beautiful and important it is to be able to give to someone else in, in the way that motherhood requires. And the next thing is having a, a happy, healthy relationship. And so, and it's, these are kind of like dreams that have, they've come to life, things that I'm actually living in. And I'm not saying there's no struggle in a relationship and there's, you know, challenges, but a healthy, sober relationship is worlds better than what I've experienced in the past. Um, I would like to continue growing in in teaching and sharing in the recovery space, being able to have this freedom where I don't have to be in a gym or I, I get to work with people who really, really matter to me. And if anyone's listening that I used to work with, I'm not saying that you didn't matter. It's different. It's just different. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's a whole different world, a whole different community, a different feeling. So being able to continue growing and sharing in recovery spaces for me that's the ultimate dream come true is to to be able to continue doing this. Well, we are so grateful to have you as, as part of our program. So I'm glad that we're part of that dream. Now it's time for our big sober energy tip, the segment of the show where we share an idea or a technique 
that you can use to enhance your recovery. And today we are going to hear Keola's tip, which will be super useful. I know it has been for me and I'm excited to share it with all of you. Awesome. Okay. So my um, big sober energy tip is for you to know that food is the data that will program your brain for sobriety and for recovery. So if you can shift to this mindset, you will see cravings decrease and you will see positive mood increase. I want you to realize that food is, it's more than fuel. You are not a car that just needs, you know, gasoline in it. We're more than that. We're like supercomputers, so much more like a computer than a car. And what do you do when it comes to your computer and you want information? You put in data and then you get an output. So I really want you to think about shifting your mindset to using food as a powerful tool to reprogram your your brain for your recovery and sobriety journey. And tell us a little bit about what that might look like. So if someone is like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'm, I'm behind that idea. What steps should they take? Definitely. Okay. So there, there's a free tool that I can share, um, a free tool. If you go to precisionnutrition.com and you use their macro calculator, that's a free tool that can help you to get at least a base understanding of what you need for your specific body, your activity level, even the types of food you like to eat. That's one free resource. Working with a nutrition coach is another really awesome resource. And I would say like a a low hanging fruit is protein, 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 and more protein. I learned this also through the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition and for mental health, for depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, for all of the mood disorders, we really need to prioritize protein every four hours getting in protein. Even if you're a plant-based or vegan, there are protein sources for every single diet or nutrition type. We need amino acids for our brain to make those neurotransmitters without getting too science and geeky. But if, if you can just think of that one simple tool, finding out what you need, because if we don't know what you need, it's going to be really challenging to build that data in for you. And remember, there's no one size fits all. So really, really do the work to create and curate something that is custom to you. Awesome. And we will make sure that that calculator gets linked in the show notes of this episode. Meditation and movement are at the heart of the hangover liberation method. Every episode, we spend a little bit of time either moving or breathing and meditating with you or both. And today I'm going to lead us in a meta or loving kindness meditation, which is one of my most favorite meditations, not only to lead, but also to do. And it is something that we can take with us and use really on a day in day out basis, even if we're not meditating. And I think you'll see what I mean once we get started. So wherever you are, go ahead and find a seat or lay down on the floor. If you're driving, please pause this podcast and use the meditation later when you're in a safe place. And to begin with, we're going to start by taking a few nice deep breaths, centering, anchoring deep within the body, focusing on the rise and fall of your chest. 
the feeling of the air moving in and out of your nose. Just riding the wave of that breath. Allowing that to become your focus and giving yourself permission to let your thoughts just drift by rather than latching onto them or letting them distract you. And now from here, I want you to imagine that you are sitting across from yourself, wherever it is that you are sitting or lying right now. Imagine that you are able to see yourself from across the room and begin to cultivate a deep sense of warmth, and affection, of love and kindness within your body and draw all of those emotions, all of that beautiful, warm, loving energy up into your heart. Now I want you to visualize beaming that love, that warmth, that kindness toward yourself. And as you do so, say to yourself, may I be happy. May I be healthy. May I feel peaceful. May I feel loved. And now I invite you to call to mind someone in your life that you care deeply about, someone it's easy to love and express affection towards, and visualize that person sitting across from you. And once again, gathering into your heart a deep sense of warmth and friendliness, of loving kindness, and sending that energy toward your loved one, say to them, may you feel happy. May you be healthy. May you feel peaceful. May you feel loved. Next, 
think about someone in your life that you see on a regular basis, but have neutral feelings for. Maybe it's the person who checks out your groceries or someone that you pass in the hallway at work, but don't necessarily interact with. And imagine that they are sitting across from you now. Once again, gather that feeling of warmth and kindness and radiate that toward this person that you see but don't really know and say to them, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you feel peaceful. May you feel loved. And now call to mind someone who you have a somewhat difficult relationship with. It doesn't have to be someone you're in conflict with or someone who has hurt you, but maybe someone who annoys you or who you find yourself at odds with periodically. And once you have this more difficult person in mind, visualize them sitting across from you and send this person your love and your kindness. Radiate it in their direction just as you did with the others and from your heart say to them, may you be happy. May you be healthy May you feel peaceful. May you feel loved. And now finally, I want you to imagine that you are lifting up out of your seat and floating up, up, up into the sky. And from your bird's eye view, you can see for hundreds of miles in every direction, thousands of people, thousands of private lives unfolding all within the scope of your vision. And to each and every one of those people, radiate your warmth, your affection, your kindness. Beam it down upon them as if you were the sun and say to each of them, may you be happy.
May you be healthy. May you feel peaceful. May you feel loved. Now begin your gentle descent from the sky, down through the clouds, down into your room or wherever it is that you are meditating, back to your seat, back to your bed or the floor. And take a few more breaths here to allow the beauty of these connections that you have made to anchor deep inside of you. Knowing that as we share love, we increase our capacity for love, especially for ourselves. And in our last few moments, reconnect with your breath And place your hands over your heart. Remind yourself that you can use this technique whenever you want to. Walking down the street, riding on the subway, sitting in a meeting, even when you're having an argument. and that extending loving kindness to others inevitably benefits ourselves. So I hope you'll take this practice forward with you. And now as you feel ready, and let your hands rest back in your lap, gently open your eyes, and bring yourself back into your surroundings. All right. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that meta meditation. It is one of my favorites and one that I think can really have tremendous benefits on a day-to-day basis, particularly the part about extending that love and kindness to yourself. And I want to extend my gratitude to you, Keola, for being our you're our very first guest on the podcast. Did you, I don't oh. I, I don't know if I told you that or not. That's awesome. Yes. Well, good luck to everybody who's coming after me. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've set the bar very, very high. No, this is amazing. Thank you so much for letting me come on and share. And I look forward to coming back again. Absolutely. We'll definitely make that happen. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening and spending your time with us today. As always, if getting sober is something you've struggled with, or you're just beginning your journey and you need some support, feel free to reach out to us. And you can learn more about our work at revarecovery.com. That's R-E-V-A recovery.com. Or follow us on Instagram at revarecovery. We also have a free Facebook group full of wonderful people called Reva Holistic Recovery Support. 
And if you'd like to learn more about what working with us looks like, you can book a free visioning session by reaching out through any of those platforms. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find us. Thank you so much again for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.